It's me, Snakes. I got the stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny. But what about my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. That a fact. How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. What do you mean? He's upstairs taking a bath. He'll call you when he gets out. Hey, I tell you what I'm gonna give you, Snakes. I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah! Hell yeah! Quick, quick, quick. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Their defense is atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China. We love you know, the here. It comes with dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Bang! All right, welcome back to Switch FM. Chris Wendelkin, Ben Craw, Brandon Lizzie. Mm-hmm. We usually talk about the NBA. Usually. But Ben, uh, Wham! Today we are we are back with the rewatchables, our film series where we discuss the greatest, most underappreciated, and underdiscussed movies about the city of Boston. Boston films. <laughs> um, gents, welcome back. I, I haven't seen you guys in forever. I hope it's you good guys to be had here. It's good been holiday a holiday season. Had a good New Year. Um, we haven't skipped a beat, of course. We've yep. been, you know, hard at work best. on our various drafts. So many um, drafts, so many resolutions. There was, there was the New Year's podcast. Who mm-hmm. forget that one? Oh, amazing. Resolutions mm-hmm. pod. Amazing. And the that Naughty or Nice hit. pod. You know, yeah. and, that, uh, that was huge as well. Three straight, four straight bangers. Yeah. I hope we uh, I hope we feel comfortable sharing some of our pre-show banter, but uh, you said I look skinny, so <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're... On the right if track. only our Making listeners progress. could see you, they would be... Uh, did I tell be... you guys I'm, I'm doing a full Vanessa Carlton this year? Vanessa Carlton. Running a thousand Sorry? miles. A thousand? This year, yeah. Wow. Up to 55. 55 I thought that was the... Uh, mile uh, Reno's already. Wow. Uh, yeah. Not the Pretenders. What was the... Uh, that was uh, the, the replacements. The, the, yeah. And that's I'm, 500 miles. So. I, oh, you're, you're doubling. Vanessa You're going Carlton's. 500 for each each member of the duo. As you know, I'd walk a thousand miles. You know that song? Uh, All right, the so proclaimers, <laughs> proclaimers, back the proclaimers. This, not yeah, the this week, like, uh, yeah, a long we, we time are coming. Mm-hmm. We are back with the rewatchables, our film series. Uh, ben, this week we welcome into the canon. A uh, very special film with honors. With honors, with it's honors. Yeah, it's a night. Not without honors. 
It's with, with honors. honors. Might as yeah. well call it with Kleenex because it's a tearjerker. <laughs> oh my god! For American oh dramedy, directed by Alec Kanishian, mm. starring uh, Brendan Fraser, Joe Pesci, and Moira Kelly. Critically acclaimed, this movie reached kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, critically, uh, widely, we'll, yeah. we'll say we'll say it had some mixed reviews. Roger Niebert gave the film two point five stars out of four, hmm. praising the acting but calling the plot cliche. Yeah, oh. hang on one sec. I just wanted to, we're welcoming with honors into the film canon, but if I'm not mistaken, we are also welcoming a one whammy into the this, rewatchables it's family. It's my first time. It's my I, first time. I, I this didn't str- strike cool. me until literally just minutes before clicking record here Again. but uh yeah, this is our yeah i think this is our what this we because chris you and i did three two or three solos rat race we rat did the race. town well we know we... rat rat race and Airbud were with uh the great brendan shields yeah obviously garbage pale kids was with oh, the ghost trash bag ghost. ghost um and then we did Town Surviving Town? Christmas. Surviving Christmas. Wow. And so is that five? That's an Is that all five? Right we've there. only we've. This is our sixth film. Our first yeah. with with Wham on board. I think. And yeah, I'm this is... behind the scenes. I'm pitching films, literally all the time. Oh, uh, I mean this the selection week, process, the nomination process. It's not yeah. even there's. Yep. It's it's a it's a nomination. And then when there's a vote, and then uh, there's a complicated like you know well, vetting honored. and uh, accounting uh, confirmation process. Um, the electoral college came back. And yeah, and we uh, we, we tallied all the all the data, all the numbers, and we finally decided it was time to honor. Timely to do with honors because I feel like we're in the middle of the Brendan Fraser. Rebirth. Yep. The Fraser songs. The Fraser songs. Fraser songs. So let's begin here uh, on the subject of Whammy. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask how you guys first encountered the film. Maybe I'll begin. I'll say that I believe the first time I heard about this movie was just in the last year or so through really? Wham. Wow. I believe it was Whammy who sent our group a it was. TikTok. <laughs> that's right that oh my god piqued, piqued my yes, curiosity that was the genesis a but random did, nostalgia bait tiktok i yeah. did not know about this movie at all what um really what year were you born chris i was born in 84 so you were 10 yeah uh, so i remember the trailer from being a kid oh yeah joe, I, joe pesci was a huge star in 1994 oh yeah Megastar, oh, yeah. for, for sure remembered as, as a kid, and I believe I watched it as a kid. If not, I, I definitely watched it by, like, the time I was in. I mean, I must have watched it as a kid, because I can't imagine, like, deliberately watching this movie in, like, Going college. back and being like, we gotta see it. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure I saw it, if not, like, I didn't see it in theaters, but I think I saw it, like, the day it hit, like, cable television in the so, mid to 92, My Cousin Vinny, Lethal Weapon 3, Home Alone 2. Hmm. 93, a small part in the Bronx Tale. He didn't have a big part in it. But then he does With Honors. And then in 95, he does a little movie called Casino. Casino. So that's a stretch. That's what we call a string of hits. He's a comedy uh, maestro master. He is a drama. He's a a darling of... uh, Martin Scorsese. He's a true. He's a five-tool player. Yeah. Yeah. I think my first encounter with Joe Pesci was the movie Home Alone. 
kid we saw the other day. He lives here. Well, if the kid's there, the parents gotta be. He's home alone. You want to come back tonight? Uh-huh. Even with the kid here? Uh-huh. I don't think that's a good idea, Harry. Hey, look, that house is the only reason we started working this block in the first place. Ever since I laid eyes on that house, I wanted it. So let's take it one step at a time, okay? We'll unload the van, we'll get a bite to eat, and we'll come back about 9 o'clock. This way, it's dark then. Yeah. Kids are scared of the dark. You're afraid of the dark too, Marv. You know you No, I'm not. Not, not, not. You are so. Oh, yeah. And obviously, like, I I came to appreciate his full sort of dramatic, you know, like, the the arc of his career and, like, one of the, like, a hero to me. I mean, truly, Joe Pesci, I think, is, like, one of our, 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 like, True gems. Yeah. As, a, uh, as, a, as the, an American the super? actor. Can we talk about the super? In and out, all day, in, out, in, out, in, out. See, that's how the door broke. You're supposed to go in and stay in. She goes out to buy milk. She buys one milk. She goes out to get eggs. She gets two eggs. You get them by the dozen, pal. A dozen. You ever have a dozen? You ever have a dozen? A dozen? No entiendo. It's no bueno, no good. It's broken. But it worked before you broke it. It ain't my problem. It worked. It worked before you broke it. Carhovian, antes que lo rompiste. No, 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 es cierto. Esta puerta no es bueno, no es bueno. No, 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 Stop those kids from praying in school first. I want you to hang around by playgrounds. I want you to hang out in schoolyards. You gotta remember, a younger customer always turns into a loyal customer. Remember that. Remember that. We can't be doing that. I want every kid in this whole world to take drugs because of me. Because of me. I want everybody to know. Everybody. My name is gonna be in the history books. They better spell my name right. L-I-D-E-O. So simple. Frankie Ledeo. Very easy. Bugs and drugs. Bugs and drugs. Smooth operation. That's what I get. I remember to this day... You, sir. Oh, me? Yes. Uh, Do you have an opinion on this? No. Are you a student in this class? No. Are you a guest? No, I'm a bum. (laughs) There are no bums. There are only the financially challenged. No, I'm a bum. But bear in mind, I'm a Harvard bum. I'm a bum, but I'm a Harvard bum. Oh, I kind of I remember mind. that from the trailer, from yeah. being a kid. At, I was 11 in 94. That, that, that piece line. in the trailer hooked me when you showed us the TikTok. I'm a yeah. bum, but I'm a Harvard bum. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to it. Don't it's you worry. We're going to get to it. Don't uh, you worry. But yes, yeah, so that was how I first encountered the film. Ben, Wham... So it sounds like you guys knew about this movie from childhood. You remember? Yeah, definitely. for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Did you guys see it in the theaters? No, I didn't. Didn't see it in theater, didn't but I definitely it. saw it on VHS. TV as a kid. Like okay. maybe, maybe we rented it like kind of you know back in the day when you would just like 
pick out a random movie because you had to go to a store and then you had no idea and you'd like read the back of a cover and say oh joe pesci we like it brendan fraser he was great in uh mencino man let's do it uh what was brendan fraser's status in 94 I mean, he was he was up and coming for sure. Uh-huh. Encino Man was a big hit. Uh, obviously, he, the, the dude's a you know stone cold hunk. We all everyone knows that. Yeah, he was like a hunk, like a young hunk, and like an up and coming, gonna be a big star, hunky hunk. Ninety uh, two yeah. was Encino Man from Hollywood Pictures. He's a caveman uh-huh. who just stepped into uh-huh. the twentieth century. Whoa. Now two guys from Encino. Uh-huh are going to teach him to be normal. That's boring, kid. Normal. We're going psycho with him, bro. <laughs> Shut. Encino Man. I'll be back. Rated PG. I would have put Encino Man in like 96. Oh, yeah, no, that's early 90s all the way. The beverage. Yeah, I see, bro. This is what put this place on the map. Oh. What are you doing, Mrs. Tony? No, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this here. Ah. No, 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 please. Look, Kashmir Rajneesh, why don't you just chill? No, but still. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. No, we think the juice. We's the juice. No, 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 we think the juice. No, we need the juice. Hey, just, just, just chill, bud. No, but but chill. No, no, no. Ah, it's okay. Just chill. I'll be back. Early 90s, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So he was up there. But I, I don't remember anything about the movie other than Joe Pesci and, like, the triumphant, I think, like, Patrick Leonard, the composer did the trailer music as well and like the triumphant like this guy's overcoming he's changing people's uh, minds uh, so stern you know like so and i gotta say for 1994 i mean are we getting into how do we get into this I, it's my first time but i'll just start take it away the, the idea in this movie is basically that a homeless person can be a person. and It's debated, but they do finally they, conclude. They end on <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie is basically grappling with that very like, question. Can this guy who's homeless <laughs> be a person? And sometimes... sometimes is a homeless person technically yeah. still a person? Well, but I got to tell you, folks, if you don't remember, in 1994, the answer was... It was no. an open question. That was a, it, Not only was it an open question, the answer was no a lot of places. I mean, this was like mm-hmm. right in the midst of Giuliani, right? It'll be part of our policy to continue to reduce taxes as we reduce the deficit and as we look for areas in which we can enhance the programs of the city of New York. We'll also advance key initiatives like the Broadway initiative designed to create more theaters and modernize them so that Broadway can expand. We will support the development of the Hudson River Park, the New York Coliseum site, the freight rail tunnel and the hub port, which are long needed in the city of New York. And we'll commit ourselves to keeping major city institutions like the New York Stock Exchange right there where it belongs, in the financial capital of the world. City government is attempting to do everything that we can. We've removed 340,000 people off welfare, many of them towards lives of self-sufficiency. But now we need to do things that make that permanent so we don't slip back to the dependency where we were before. What we will do, first of all, is to change welfare offices. 
In a few months, we will no longer have welfare offices in New York City. When someone comes in for help, the sign on the door will say, not welfare, but job center. Oh, yeah. Giuliani, Bill Clinton crime, crime bill is, yeah, uh, I think, was, literally being this, voted on. This was, I would say, peak bootstrap. Peak, like, if oh, you were yeah. home. And I was taught this. You know, I've wrongly taught this since, you know, since then I've learned a lot. But you were taught that if somebody was homeless, it was because they were defective. It was because they were a bad person. It was because they failed. It was something that you could happen to you if you make bad choices. Listen, you have to have heart for the homeless person. Remember, not everything lasts forever. Maybe you can be like my position right now. Yeah. Even if you're a police officer, something yeah. gonna happen and you're gonna be like that. Yeah. So please, take care of us. You know, don't put us in jail or don't give us tickets. Get put us somewhere else, like a, maybe a rehab program for homeless, maybe a, a something that we have to do in the morning to earn money, something that I know that they're going to take advantage of that. Um, there, was no, there was no system that you knew about that could make this happen to somebody. It was always their fault. And so this the, movie... Yeah, the notion of, of a structural like right. causes and reasons... Didn't no. exist. No. Nope. It was your fault. You were a bad person. And to stay away from you. That was another thing you were taught in the Midwest was oh, to yeah. stay away from people who are As homeless. One of our main characters, here. Jeff, uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a bit of misinformation in this movie that, that we'll yeah. get into. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But I think I that's a radical theme for 1994 as quaint as the movie is now and as yeah. I would say I would say quaint or I don't know goofy or like now you look at it cringe like, dated cringes. certainly there certainly dated there was a lot of cringe baby. some a bit of cringe there was a lot of, so that but theme I, stuck out to me like is this homeless person a person the president will sign a welfare reform bill and make it law one that reinforces such core American values as work family individual responsibility and community. If we want to fulfill the promise of this bill, government must do its part by expanding opportunity so that those on welfare can enter the mainstream of American life. And those who want to escape poverty must do theirs by exercising personal responsibility and working hard. Yeah, I think personal responsibility was like a big idea that politicians right. Giuliani, Bill Clinton It was the prevailing wisdom of the time. If every parent paid the child support that he or she owes legally today, we could move 800,000 women and children off welfare immediately. With this bill we say if you don't pay the child support you owe we'll garnish your wages, take away your driver's license, track you across state lines if necessary make you work off what you pay, what you owe. It is a good thing and it will help dramatically to reduce welfare, increase independence, and reinforce parental responsibility. Something really good about this legislation, when I sign it, we all have to start again. And this becomes everybody's responsibility. After I sign my name to this bill, Welfare will no longer be a political issue. The two parties cannot attack each other over it. Politicians cannot attack poor people over it. There are no encrusted habits, systems, and failures that can be laid at the foot of someone else. We have to begin again. This is not the end of welfare reform. This is the beginning. 
and we have to all assume responsibility. It, it was a big thing that was like being discussed and thought about and taught. And, you know, I grew up Catholic and that was like very personal responsibility. You know, being accountable for your actions was like Huge. very, yeah, um, like top yeah. of mind. It was, I mean, and it I think was that is sort of embedded, yeah. embedded in the film that right. like this man is living on the streets because of his own, because of it. And it's his fault. Yeah, well, some shortcomings. But, I yeah. think that the like moral failings. So, he, I also he think made, this, he made poor choices, right, and, and that's why he's fault. on the street. I also think this is the like almost quintessential Gen X movie, in that the, there is every possible social theme embedded in it. Like, there's so many different things that don't necessarily align. Like mm. all the motivations. There's like every single, not every single character is represent. Actually the representation is also something that's like sort of peak Gen X is it's like, it's supposed to be, it's like the first opening into like representation and understanding and maybe changing a little bit about the prevailing mindset of America, but it also like completely misses all of those things Mm -hmm. because of like a sort of very large lack of understanding of those larger systems and et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, it's very much like a, things can be utopia if we all just open ourselves up a little bit. And yeah. it doesn't really address like any of the structural problems with it's our like a existence. it's like a woke movie before before like, we understood wokeism what the problems was really were. yeah before any like that developed to the point where people could actually like discuss things accurately right, and right. Uh, constructively um but it was like trying it like had it had like a woke heart but without like actual knowledge right exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's, exactly. it's like a half-baked woke <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's yeah. it's sort of the year one of the good ones philosophy like mm-hmm. you see the oh yeah homeless people they're not all bad yeah like, some of them are just, even literate <laughs> <laughs> if you just open your heart a little bit and like that's the thing like it's yeah. just this like this gen x ethos of like well if we're all just a little more accepting, like things will be, but it didn't, doesn't know how to get to that next level yeah. of like, well, actually the deck is pretty stacked against a lot of people. Like, actually it might be a nice idea to welcome a freezing sick homeless person into your home, maybe like on night two or three instead of night 12. <laughs> well, so actually yeah. one of, that's another one of the things that I also, <laughs> I want to get through, but there's one more thing to to get in sort of generally. And I think that this is the elephant in the room for me guys. And the, one of my bigger takeaways is that there's a shadow over this entire movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, Madonna. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to get into some of the backstory of the director and the soundtrack. Well, he, he directed Madonna's documentary. Truth or dare. People think that being a star is about being fabulous, being in the spotlight, having your picture taken all the time and having everyone worship and adore you, being rich, 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 having it all. And you know what? They're absolutely right. Truth or dare. And and Madonna's on the soundtrack. Patrick Leonard is the composer for the film who was a collaborator with Madonna. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, and I haven't been able to find out. Did they give the director the shot, and then he brought in Madonna? I'll tell you. In, go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you the answer to that, Wham. Uh, so this movie was was directed, as Chris said, by Alec Kashishian. 
right Kashishian, i believe is his name he went to harvard uh he was a harvard yeah, graduate is, yeah he studied music theater and dance there and then after graduating he became a music video director um pretty pretty successful directed some videos for bobby brown and yeah. vanessa williams among others and then caught the attention of Madonna, who asked him to direct uh, an HBO special for her Blonde Ambition World Tour. Um, now that uh, special later kind of got like uh, fleshed out and turned into a feature-length documentary, uh, which is 1991's Truth or Dare, which, which fun fact, huge. with a worldwide gross of $29 million, was the, Largest at the time, highest-grossing documentary of all time. Until it was finally eclipsed uh, in 2002 by Bowling, Bowling for Columbine. Columbine. Um, so he and Madonna had like a like a you know a, a pretty close like working relationship, and I'm I've gotta assume that you know with Madonna's like you know star power, they were like oh let's let's bring this guy in. Um, he's already like you know, directed this, like, massively successful documentary, it's the 90s, um, MTV, you know, we're going to have a movie about young people uh, with, like, a cool soundtrack, and this guy can, I, th- I, I th- assume that they kind of hired him thinking, like, then we can get Madonna on the soundtrack, oh. and lo and behold, she had um, her song, uh, Number I'll Remember. Number two song of 1994, apparently. Yeah, I'll Remember, which is the uh, the closing line, the, the, the credits, or sorry, the closing song uh, um, over the credits of the uh, of the movie. And there are uh, no and the other. Music, and the, it, it was also one of those music videos that had, this was such a thing, do they even do this the anymore? The movie clips? The, the music video, <laughs> the official music video had clips from like the movie clips in from it. the film, like, so, you know, Brendan Fraser. You see like, her smiling. singing to the screen. Uh, yeah, so, no, yeah. she, yeah, that's right, yeah. She's, like, you she, see her syncing up, like, She's, like, in a music screening room, movie. watching, yeah. like, the wow. edit or like a like a private screening of the film while singing in like a cool microphone with headphones and everything with like just random scenes from the movie like playing in the in the we on the wall. will uh, let's let's hit pause on the Madonna sure. conversation because sure, sure, I sure. want to unpack the lyrics to I'll remember okay here we go <laughs> okay. yes <laughs> it's gonna be a four parter folks but, <laughs> at least um, before. <laughs> Before we get into that, let's let's just give the audience because maybe uh, we have some people listening who haven't seen the film. First of all, if you haven't seen the film, really Stop encourage what you're doing. you come on. Really you encourage doing? you to watch it. It might make this iTunes, podcast a bit more enjoyable. Two ninety nine. Um, but let's email give me the directly. Audience. I'll send you an MP four. You won't do that. Let's give the audience <laughs> a quick snapshot of the yes, movie. Will, a quick recap yep. of the plot and. This is going to be really basically impossible, but here, this is one. So I found one plot synopsis recap of the plot in a couple of sentences, and it's basically, it's comical how broad it is, but here's one description. (laughs) I love when you do these plot synopses from a random website. Academia meets Street Smarts with Monty Kessler, (laughs) played by Brendan Fraser. Already I'm hooked. (laughs) A graduate student struggling to finish his program loses his thesis, and finds it in the hands of a homeless man named mm. Simon Wilder, Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Though, the two get off to a wrong f- though the two get off on the wrong foot, they become unlikely friends, with Simon teaching Monty some important life lessons. Mm. Although Monty's roommates, including his buddy, Everett Calloway, Patrick Dempsey, mm. initially dislike having Simon around, they grow to appreciate him too, period. Um, <laughs> 
and that's yeah, it. Pretty pretty broad. Roll credits. That's kind uh, of it, though. I mean. Yeah, I suppose that is one very broad description of the movie. That's, that's the movie, folks. We can sprinkle in some detail. Uh, Montgomery, Monty, Brendan Fraser is a senior majoring in government at Harvard. It's the early 90s. He her- he shares a house with some friends, including Courtney. A real ragtag bunch. Moira mm-hmm. Kelly. Uh, a womanizing DJ named Everett, Ugh. played by Patrick Dempsey. Everett. And a neurotic medical student named Jeff, played by Josh Hamilton. Sure. Um, so Monty's working on his senior thesis, and basically he is like a dyed-in-the-wool conservative studying government. He's deeply critical of people on public assistance, and this is sort of the backbone of his thesis that he's working on. Yeah. And that he's delivering to Professor Pitt Cannon, played yes. by the great Gore Vidal, the uh, prominent public intellectual and writer. So he's working on his paper and he, back at back at the house, and there is a power outage, and it shorts his computer hard drive. And panicked, he takes a hard copy of his paper, printed out, and he rushes across campus to Xerox and print out more backup copies. And Monty slips on some ice. He breaks his leg, and he drops his thesis paper down the grate into the Harvard Library boiler room. And down on the boiler room. A homeless man named Simon Wilder is burning his thesis page by page, keeping himself warm by the furnace. So again, we'll we'll unpack all of this in greater detail. I'm skimming yes, past yes, all sorts will. of stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Monty um, has this interaction with Simon. Eventually, he calls the cops and has the man Simon Wilder arrested, and there. But the cops are unable to recover his paper in court. Simon has the uh, the worst of all the charges against him dismissed, but he is held in contempt, in contempt of court, and uh, Monty pays the fine. And Monty and Simon work out this arrangement, this deal, that for every good deed, every sort of gesture of goodwill that uh, he offers to Simon, Simon will basically give him a page of his thesis back. So for every like basic human, you know, good or service, Simon will give him a page of his thesis back. And that thesis is hundreds of pages. 80, yes. 88 pages, I believe, yes. uh, is the starting point. Um, but of yes. course, those pages are dwindling by the day. Uh, or by the, by the second, actually, as when when uh, Monty first discovers Simon in the boiler room of Wyden Library, burning. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Monty brings Simon back to the house. He lets him stay in a broken down van outside in the yard. Over time, Monty and Simon become friends. Monty confides in Simon uh, about never knowing his father. Simon helps Monty see that um, poor people are also human beings. Uh, Monty's roommates start taking a liking to Simon as well. Simon uh, repairs Everett's van. Uh, I wonder if I should stop you here, Chris. I feel like we should. You're you're yada yadaing a lot yeah, here. Really I'm not entirely going. sure what the what the point is here. I th- I feel like we owe it to our listeners to just uh, just get into the meat of this thing. Okay. And, I mean, unless you were, I don't know. We we can certainly start bigger picture. Um, but I, uh, I I just fear I don't want to give you know too much away too great, too soon. Great, great. I like to uh, you know string this along a little bit. All right, so let's. I'll I'll hand it over to you guys. Uh, feel free. Anything about the movie that jumped out at you? Sort of 
central beats, themes, unanswered questions, exceptional moments, things that made you laugh. The floor is open. Yeah, I can I can start with uh, I think th- the best place to start, which is the opening lines of the movie, <laughs> um, the very first lines of dialogue, <laughs> spoken okay. by uh, the uh, the uh, radio free Harvard DJ Everett Calloway, um, a a lecherous womanizing DJ played by uh, the great Patrick Dempsey. Uh, you know, kind of like smack in between his his early uh, "Can't Buy Me Love" lover boy phase, and then his uh, later Grey's Anatomy work, which of course we all know him for McDreamy. This opening monologue that he delivers, uh, you know, as uh, over the uh, the airwaves, um, is kind of like was was sort of like a, a very telling sign to me, like that. So this movie is sneakily. Again, like we sort of mentioned earlier, it's like pretty, uh, I don't want to say like subversive or transgressive or like too like revolutionary or anything, but it starts right out as like a pretty clear and scathing indictment actually of Harvard and really all um, elite institutions of, of the ruling class. The opening line is, Arise, fair Harvard, arise. It's 7 a.m., children, and you're listening to Radio Free Harvard on a chilly November morning. You're at the greatest university on earth, and you know what? You're in over your head. You're drowning. Especially you seniors. Only 150 days before your thesis is due when the powers that be decide whether you're destined for greatness or mediocrity. I know what you're thinking. Do I really belong here? Probably not. But don't give in. Don't give up. Arise, fair Harvard. Arise. You too can rule the world. You just have to crush everyone else first. A little crushing music, maestro. You too can rule the world. You just have to crush everyone else first. Wow. And it kind of was, I was like, wait a minute, is this whole movie like actually like kind of a a giant uh, basically statement uh, against uh, Harvard? Which again, like for the early to mid 90s, like really there wasn't that much. I mean, sure, like there was the classic like, oh, like rich snob, you know, snobs versus slobs kind of like, oh yeah, rich people suck. But there wasn't really like but the, in the idea 90s, of having you- to cr- like... Uh, of like people like those kind of like ruling class strivers actually being like legit bad people who are like no, trying who th- are like power thirsty and and at the expense of everyone else like that to me was like pretty striking yeah uh, you we didn't think they were bad people people who went to harvard we all wanted to go to harvard oh of course we did yeah that we was if, if you had be... a classmate that got into harvard you were like motherfucker wow, how did they you do did that it. You i wasn't did like oh my god i'm so glad i'm not you what no, an you insufferable didn't... prick you didn't know that this was like a factory that ensured a permanent ruling class, yeah, via yeah. nepotism and and bribery. Yeah, like, good you chance know. you'd become a war criminal at worst, you didn't know. Uh, or a just a you know insufferable capitalist at best. But that goes um, back to my earlier statement: the the movie has too many themes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it has it, quite a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't really pay off or deliver on any of them 
in a real satisfying way, in, in my opinion. I kind of agree with that. Here. Yeah. But it's it's like everything you got, you know, Patrick Dempsey's this raconteur character and his, his arc from like maybe too whimsical to being sort of more serious. The uh, the other roommate, Johnson, is Jeff, this med, you mean? Jeff, is this med, yeah. med student who like takes things too seriously and then is like loosens up by the end. And then there's a love <laughs> story and then there's a homeless person and then the the reciprocal nature of Brendan Fraser's childhood and Joe Pesci's mm-hmm. adulthood. Yeah. It's, there's so... There's a lot of dad stuff, dad so drama. many, 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 I, many, uh, many themes in this I movie. Couldn't, yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I think wow. the movie absolutely sticks the landing. Okay, um, well... <laughs> everyone learns and grows <laughs> yeah, vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis oh, Simon. And so. then there's more t- human mortality. As well. Oh, yeah, sure. Human mortality, how to die with dignity. Can we get into Joe Pesci's character a little bit? Because, okay, the funny thing about Joe Pesci's character here is that line, I'm a bum, but I'm a Harvard bum. He's Mm -hmm. not a Harvard bum. He didn't attend Harvard. He just happens to be there now. And then, (laughs) like, this idea, like, part of the theme is a little bit like Goodwill Hunting, like Matt Damon's oh, character in, in Now you're Google talking Hunting, my language. <laughs> where, where like, oh, I guess you some can, would say this is the precursor. The pre- spiritual. The pre- I think it might be the prequel. Yeah, I mean, we, we, know, we all know the town is the sequel. The this town is, is the sequel. actually the prequel. The prequel. This was, yeah, this is the Goodwill Hunting prequel. So, yeah, so, I think Brendan Fraser grows. Yeah, I think he. Is he Matt Damon? And, well, yeah, he uh, does grow up to or become. Or does Brendan Fraser become Robin Williams? I think he's he, the guy who won the Fields Medal. He's the a guy. Oh yeah, the guy in the world. Scars guard. The, the how do you like that? Map? Oh, that guy. Oh yeah. Studying government, who so eventually it, becomes an MIT janitor. Mm-hmm. Is he a conservative? That's unclear. But what? Let me oh, get back he's... to Pesci for one minute here. <laughs> okay. Let me get back to. Pesci. We can get into the he, original state of his thesis in a few minutes. He he lives in the basement of the library. Odd choice for a longshore man, mm-hmm. and. He, I don't like the. There's this thing where like he's supposed to be sort of sag, sagistic, sage esque, mm-hmm. but he actually knows very little in terms of like he, yeah. he didn't like read his way into a Harvard education like Matt Damon. He he knows he, two books, yeah, Germinal <laughs> and Leaves of Grass. That's it. Those are the only the two thing. books that he has ever and read. The, and apparently, if you've read Leaves of Grass in 1994, he knows every like fucking poem in that book guy. because he quotes them incessantly. And, but and, that's it. That's all he and knows. They're all these three three Harvard seniors are. Like, oh my God! Yeah, he knows Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. They're like, I mean, they Whoa. had no idea that that bums were literate, let alone had but, had but taste in in poetry. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't know anything. He, no. Like the at one point, Gore Vidal's like, "What a witticism!" Like that's kind of it. He's kind of mildly witty. Like when a lot of the like bum the proverbs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When Go he ahead. goes to the court. And, and, like, it's supposed to be the scene that's, like, showing you that he's, like, more than just a homeless person. You mean when the movie suddenly turns into My Cousin Vinny for five minutes so and good. I am Which happy is, as a pig oh in my. shit? The defense is wrong. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm positive. How could you be so sure? 
Because there is no way that these tire marks were made by a 64 Buick Skylark. These marks were made by a 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Objection, Your Honor. Can we clarify to the court whether the witness is stating opinion or fact? This is your opinion? It's a fact. I find it hard to believe that this kind of information could be ascertained simply by looking at a picture. Would you like me to explain? I would love to hear this. So would I. <laughs> I mean, you're enjoying watching it, but in terms oh. of like, the, it's supposed to be this moment where you're like, oh, this bum, like he's he's different than other other bums, you know. Yeah. <laughs> But but he just stands up and like sort of like he says something and then the courtroom just erupts in laughter. The courtroom, which is just, packed by the way, for like a huge, random uh, t- like 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 public like ticket seven bums. Yeah, it was it was like a random bum hearing and it was like the climax of fucking all of downtown Boston wanted to see these bums. Yeah, it was like a few good men all of a sudden. Like, why don't we go to the courthouse see these bums get locked up? Yeah. To make a day of it. They're <laughs> bringing the kids. Ready for All right, come One on. Of these bums is going to really put this judge in their place. You have all been in violation of Cambridge City ordinances and are charged with public intoxication and or vagrancy and or panhandling. If you plead guilty, please sit down. If you plead not guilty, take a step forward. Name? Simon B. Wilder, judge. As a taxpayer, I like to request a trial by jury. And when, might I ask, was the last time you paid taxes? Three times, just last week. You paid taxes three times? Yes, sir. There's a federal, state, and county tax on wine. <laughs> Mr. Wilder, the court concedes that you have paid various taxes. Nevertheless, a jury trial is not called for. Charges of public drunkenness, trespassing, and vagrancy still stand. How do you plead? Not guilty. You were found living in an old furnace room under Widener Library on the Harvard College campus. With all due respect, sir, Harvard University is a land-grant school. Constitutionally, I was living on public grounds. All right, I'll drop the charge of trespassing, but your breathalyzer test showed that you were drunk at the time of your arrest. At the time of my arrest, I was neither driving an automobile or operating heavy farm equipment. I was sitting alone reading. I'm well past the drinking age, and if I take a little drink to kill the winter chill, it's certainly not a crime. I mean, if it worked, every fan at a Harvard-Yale football game would be behind bars. Come on! Be careful, Mr. Wilder. You're coming dangerously close to contempt of court. I'll drop the charges of public intoxication. Thank you, Your Honor. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I knew once we got to know each other, we'd hit it off famously. And to think when I heard that phony accent, I thought he was going to be an asshole. And he puts them in, he puts the judge in his place, not by like citing case law, but being like, I didn't pee over here. I peed over there. Yeah. I can pee over there all I want. Like, it's not, it's not like he's like citing obscure case law or knows. Like, again, it's, it's like, like the seeds of Matt Damon's character like yeah. are there, but the execution is so lackluster. He's like, I wasn't trespassing. Harvard's a land grant school. <laughs> like, oh, which by the way is still not trespass. is not accurate. Uh, is Harvard true? is a Harvard Harvard is a private institution. Right. Uh, Massachusetts is land grant land grant college is the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Uh, oh. So Harvard is not a land grant school. In fact, well, but, well, the uh, judge the judge was duly chastened, and people were laughing yeah. there. Well, oh. the he ran circles ran circles around that judge, and the, the people were eating the, it up like like fucking you, fresh. Did you did did it strike you in that scene how how much people were reacting? Oh yeah, there was like woo! 
It was like Def Comedy Jam in there. <laughs> yeah, he was basically like, yeah, do he was you murdering. like apples? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simon but, was killing. But the execution was so not... Mm-hmm impressive <laughs> no. like you, you weren't like wow this guy's really there's something deep about this guy like he literally was like i drank wine at the, like, <laughs> he's like copping to like i can be as drunk as i want yeah I'm he's like last thing checked it is not against the law and i am over <laughs> 21 years old which is the appropriate drinking uh, age. oh yeah the tax line so i paid taxes ta- twice last month no three so times have you last paid month. taxes this year yes i paid taxes sales three thanks. times this past week <laughs> sales thanks sales thanks <laughs> <laughs> City, state, and local sales tax. <laughs> but but again, you know, then at that point, Brendan has to follow him to like get his thesis. Yeah, right. Because well, yeah, I he, feel like we should back up a little bit. I, feel, I, I don't think so, Ben. No. Okay, we're just going. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just okay. Kidding. What do you got? Is it good? Um, well, I mean, I wanted to get in a little bit into how, I mean, just the, the hijinks of like how the paper gets into Widener Library in the first oh, place. That's interesting. Um, and Brendan Fraser breaking his leg and then walking into the basement. His leg is broken and he like yeah. walks down to the basement with no yeah. trouble. He's hopping along on one foot and then is in like a cast for like the entire rest of the movie. But, um, but he's able to walk down yeah. to get the. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Can I just say one quick thing ab- sure. about this opening scene? Like uh, Ben, you were mentioning about like uh, the the DJ giving this like monologue. Mm-hmm. I feel like the that opening like heavenly choir humming oh, the stirring choir. We see this like opening montage of like stoke covered Harvard University the campus. Mm-hmm. To me, there was something about this that was like, right? At least my in my childhood, this was what Hollywood told me college was like. Which oh yeah, was like mm-hmm. for sure the snowy Northeast. Mm. Where there's you know a track team and a crew mm-hmm. team, but like it, it 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 was if it wasn't Harvard, it was always some Harvard like college. Oh sure. yeah, Rolling uh-huh. Hills, five hundred year old stone buildings everywhere. Yes, but also like cold, like cold, Very cold. snowy, it's snowy. and a piece of shit house where a bunch of friends lived in some like Victorian mansion, but it was like <laughs> shabby chic. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that house, baby? Oh, that house. house is huge. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I just felt like this uh, opening, like the opening shots to the movie were like the way I learned about college vis-a-vis Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Um, also, I just remembered a question that Wham had a minute ago, which was, is Monty a conservative? Um and to address that uh, query, I wanted to bring up the the original uh, yes. first paragraph of the thesis that Monty presents. So you actually uh, because oh uh, he tells Gorvin yeah. yeah yeah so he has a Monty. early on be, before before he loses all the pages he has uh, early on in the movie he has a meeting he Monty has a meeting with his professor about his thesis it's Professor Pickhannon played by the aforementioned Gore Vidal. Gore Vidal. Monty stands and recites by heart, by the way, which he didn't need to do. Uh, I believe uh, P- Pickhannon's very impressed that, or kind of surprised that he's just doing it, you know, uh, by heart. But he chapter reads, one. Ch- chapter one, The Bottomless Well of Need. Let's hear it. <clears throat> chapter one. From memory? Yes, sir. I don't know whether that denotes hard work or unseemly vanity. Stand up. Stand up. 
I like a substantial target. Chapter one, the bottomless well of need. The noble and ambitious assumption of the government of the United States is that the needs of a diverse population can be fulfilled. The dream of a melting pot has become a cauldron of inflexible minorities and the hopelessly unemployable. The solution is to leave the complexities of modern government to the political expert and to rethink our naive faith in the wisdom of the people. The dream of a melting pot has become a cauldron of inflexible minorities. Okay. Okay. Right. And the hopelessly, yeah. the okay. hopelessly unemployable. The solution is to leave the complexities of modern government to the political expert mm-hmm. and to rethink our naive faith in the wisdom of the people. So he's so, basically advocating so like for an authoritarian, deeply, yeah. deeply yeah. cynical. What he's literally that, arguing for here is like an oligarchical white right, ethno the state. Trump, the Trump, which reality. is no like worse than like beyond Trump. We're, we're talking like apartheid South Africa or like modern day Israel. That's like, what he, that's that's. Let me his, do that for you. you that's guys, his wet dream. You guys, <laughs> I mean guys the line. Stupid. So let me do ben, this. Can you for read you. it again? Can yeah, you read it again? I'll read two more lines again. A cauldron of inflexible minorities, and the hopelessly unemployable. Right. Um, That's great. So, yeah, that kind of tells you all you need to know well, about also, his worldview. And yes. it um, sets up like who this guy is. And it, I think it also, like, from a cinematic point of view, it sets like a very clear arc and trajectory for his character. When you think about where he begins in the movie to where he ends and his yeah. change, he begins as someone that is deeply cynical who feels that the country is made up of hopelessly unemployable people and too many minorities too many minorities (laughs) like literally who are like i I mean is that referring oh boy i can't can't even (laughs) ask the question go on go on please is he referring to literal like races of people or is he referring to interests like there's uh, the interests of people are too. There's too many minority like people who are in one camp or another. Uh, I, it, impossible to tell either way. It's he's not referring to like the the, the minority. He's, he doesn't say the minority of a population or the minority opinion. He says a, he's minorities. referring to minorities but as I, a group of people. Is he referencing? That there's no common. I'm not, like, not going to give him the benefit of the doubt there, Wham. I'm sorry, but the way it's not the, about giving the, the context and the delivery there, it's not good either way. I guess I don't. Way, not good. I didn't, yeah, I didn't read it as he was referring to like there's too many ethnic groups, but that would have, that would have been a very different movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know really how. Like you have to bend over I mean, backwards fetched to yeah. to not Jeez. think. A cauldron of inflexible well, has, well, minorities. Well, then they don't address wait, that at all. But they're he never, has all... Oh, also never, the... Wait, wait, sorry. The preceding line. Sorry, sorry. only white friends. Wait, what? That's what I was going to... Back to the well, genetics. He has, he has all white like, friends. Yes. And they're all like upper income white people at yes. Harvard. Like, it's not that f- far of a stretch That's to be like... Here's, yeah. here's, here's a fun thought experiment. Imagine sure. this movie, but Simon is a black man. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing, right? I mean, like yeah. how there is a black bum in the movie. Yeah, that's true. But like, that's like but much that's later the on thing after about, he's, like they've the been like softened up. Thing, it's like yeah. this person's only represented in that way. Anyway, yeah, the main character could never have been a black bum. Also, wait, sorry, just to point out. The line directly preceding the cauldron of inflexible minorities is the dream of a melting pot has become a cauldron. So melting pot, I mean, to me, like oh melting pot God, only means one is. thing. He is talking about race. He's talking about race, guys. Oh He's talking about a fucking race. Yeah. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> yes. Melting pot means multiple ethnicities and people of all different, differing, then. diverse backgrounds coming together. Here's, he's like, here, that's here's the dream, funny. but the reality no, is... sometimes they're talking no. about a melting pot of ideas. Yeah. Well, I was hoping, because the movie doesn't address that. Like, the guy was Sorry, literally Wham. saying that the problem with America is minorities... Hey, Wham, he's a conservative. Yeah. I think it's safe to say he's a conservative. I gotta, t- I gotta be honest with you guys. Guys, and I'm being dead dead honest with you. I just glossed that entire when he started reading that thing. I oh did no, not, I lost focus. No, it honestly, I, that's when I zeroed in. Better. That's when I perked up. Yeah, yeah my much. ears perked up when I heard no, I the was bottomless like, well of need. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I I like you know he starts reciting this crap. I'm like, uh, who gives a shit? He's talking no. fucking Gorvidal here. Like you know maybe I'm gonna check uh, some uh, NBA scores. But this actually changes my whole perception of the movie because I was like, <laughs> this guy, he? yes. he's an arch conservative like, psychopath. I like this homeless person so much and like mm. didn't make sense to me, but now it's kind also, of. Also, did you notice when he was. Together. Yeah. Ben, did you notice in one of the first frames of the movie when he's jogging? Oh, he's yeah. In his house, he jogs. What does he do? He brushes right past a homeless yeah. person picking trash. Right. Out yeah. Of yeah. He trash. scoots right past a homeless person without even like, you know, giving, giving them a, the slightest notice. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, my eyes are open. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also during the opening credits. So let me just say this. I see the name Moira Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I'm oh, like, we're going to have to talk about Ben. Her. I know this name. I'm certain of it. I can't yeah. immediately place it. And then I see her face. I'm like, I know I've seen this face before from my childhood. Other sure. movies can't totally place it. We'll come back and talk more about Moira Kelly. But I just want to earmark that. What did you that. end up put, recognizing her put, from? At least tell us who you recognize her from. Do you, we'll you want to have the Moira Kelly discussion? No, I mean, we, we can just tell. Just finish that, and then we'll come back. I think. But I just want. Well, to know I eventually what, placed yeah. it. What was it? What the was cutting it for edge? You? The cutting edge, of course. Where okay. the hell is Spindler? I thought you said it'd be. No, you said Spindler. This is Dorsey. Mr. Douglas Dorsey. Dorsey? Never heard of him. Douglas is beautiful skater. Oh, you're that hockey player. How you doing? Nice to meet you. He's tryout. He's tryout. Hand? Well, what do you do? Soak them in battery acid? Oh, I know they're a little rough, but you know, I've never had any complaints before. Oh, I'm terribly impressed. What is this? Final stages of Ukrainian alcohol psychosis? Hey, wait a second. Who's checking out who here? Listen, I don't know how many slop shots you've taken to the brain, but this was your audition. And let me assure you, it's over. Hey, Snow White, relax. I'm no figure skater. I'm a hockey player. Then what are you doing here? Get him out of my building. What? Get him out of my building. Temperamental. You know, I can think of another word for it. Is that what you told him? What, like it's a big secret? Who the hell do you think you are? I know exactly who I am, sweetheart. I'm a guy who came a long way for lunch. Well, please don't let me keep you from the trough. 
Hey, I'm sorry, buddy. I wouldn't wish this on a snake. I'm out of here. Zatkanis! Enough! Yeah. yeah, which was, yeah. I mean, that's, the cutting yeah. edge was huge. That, to me, was one of the, like, great... The cutting edge comedy films of our an amazing childhood. Movie. Forgotten Powerhouse, where right. it is a sports movie, but it's also a romantic comedy. That yeah, yeah, that movie stuck with me as a kid. I mean, yeah, I, that was I know this is sort of a boomer thought, but like movies, formative. movies yeah. were so much better and more like complicated <laughs> when we were kids. In this, it and and the cutting edge is the perfect example where it was like it, that could. Today, that movie would just be dismissed as something so stupid. And when we were kids, it was like, yeah, I guess you could have like a sports movie that was also a A very seriously good (laughs) romantic movie, but also like very funny. Like I always thought of it as like a funny sports movie. But now as an adult, I'm like, no, it's kind of like romantic. You would watch this on a date. Extremely romantic. That movie pops on Showtime or the Disney Channel uh, on a a a random Saturday afternoon, and you are you are not taking a look, changing the channel. But Maury Kelly was a badass in that movie. She was great in this movie too. Oh, so good. She's so talented. Also, the very same year as The Cutting Edge, 1992, uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, anyone? Yeah, just going to put that out there. I mean, as as an an A A very different type of movie from from The Cutting Edge. As a I didn't quite get. Yeah, that's a a lace. Yeah, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, Ben's. Maybe don't watch that one with the kids. eyes are taped open, and he's just consuming (laughs) Twin Peaks. Still working on my Cheerios, Ben, (laughs) right? Mommy. <laughs> Mommy, uh, yeah. can we watch Twin Peaks fire walk with me? <laughs> um, race cars, Ben, right? Yeah. Let's just say in a race car bed. Yeah. Um Yeah, Moira Kelly. Alright, so so Monty She's has this great. meeting with Gore Vidal and he heads back home after his meeting with Buchanan. And I wanted to know, did you guys catch the magnetic alphabet on the fridge? Do you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about here? No, I, I slipped on the, the fridge. Yeah, I, didn't catch, I missed wow. the fact that he right, was an overt so, racist, so I didn't quite so catch when, the magnetic so listen, numbers on the fridge. When he comes back home from his meeting... <laughs> Got to give these at least two or three watches, Wham. Come on, we've, we've talked about this. When he comes back home from his meeting with his thesis advisor, on in the house, everyone's in the kitchen, on on the fridge in the kitchen, you know those magnetic letters for kids that like spell out different words? Of course, yeah. They have those on the fridge, and what is spelled out on the fridge I it's hate black catch- people? Oh. No, it's the catchphrase. And I think it's pretty telling here. It says, don't tread on me. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that's wow, incredible. This, yeah. This, there's, what that's a like catch. heavily. Whammy, wow. they were serving it on a freaking platter. For don't them. tread on and me. And it's just going right over my head. Yep. <laughs> just... While we're on this topic, though, I was also really confused. I spent, like, way too long trying to figure this one out, but um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know, on the wall of his bedroom, Monty also has a giant FDR, like, yeah, what? seal that's, poster that's for the Department I, of Power. That's what I'm which saying. Which does not exist, was not a thing. I don't know what the Department of Power means or is a reference to. I, I spent a long time trying to research this, guys. Nothing. There was no Got Department nothing. of Power in the New nope. Deal. There was no nope. No Deal, like no New Deal. Yeah, Valley Authority. Yeah. There was like a Department of like I mean there was like you know Departments of Electricity I think and like okay. but definitely nothing that that came up as the Department of Power and I was like is that a reference to something else I like, so, could not figure anything out. But FDR what was of course confusing to me was okay so he's got this big FDR poster and then his upbringing 
single mother wants mm-hmm. to get into government to help people. Yeah. Not usually the marks of an authoritarian, but if you want to help them by organizing them into groups and then telling them what to do, I guess that's yeah. maybe a little different. But this this just did I he nothing else but that speech struck me as he was a conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Also to complicate things a he few minutes He was the in only th- person in Harvard who wasn't like a legacy, right? Yes, so his- exactly. So you did catch something. Good good job, Wham. <laughs> <laughs> There's this exchange. I caught everything but that monologue. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, this exchange early on when we're introduced to the other roommates in the house, um, they're talking about Monty and Josh. I believe Josh or um, Josh Hamilton, uh, Jeff. Jeff and Everett are like bantering. By the way, the dialogue uh, of this group of people Amazing. is like some of the most like. I mean, I have to say it's like well done because it is so like skin crawling so and good. like and yeah. just like yeah. like it uh, like so difficult to like like nails on a fucking chalkboard. Like these people, Very like the pithy. only conclusion I can come to is that the the writer. Um, by the way, the writer of this movie was like a completely like random like didn't playwright. Didn't else. had just, no other yeah. credits to his name except for like some random like TV shows and plays. Uh, I don't know what the what the story is with him and how he got involved in this project, but between him and the director, like the only conclusion is like they hate these people, like they are de- they are deliberately making them into like freaks um, and like <laughs> monsters. But anyway, so there's this exchange. I hate him. He is a tad compulsive. Talking about Monty, he has to be. Harvard's not his inheritance. It's true. Harvard doesn't have any standards left. They let in anyone who's bright. So that seems to suggest Monty is like not of like some you know noble blood, some like yes. old money. Like, uh, yeah, he got into this you know elite institution through sheer grit and you know hustle sigma grind set. Like you know, but uh, again, like that does that make him like a like a liberal, or does that mean like that's how he feels everyone so should succeed and like the only way to I like think that yeah. obviously. Patrick Dempsey's character was being sarcastic there. Yeah, true. But then I also think that these people are all, they're all playing, and this is, I think, was another, like, Gen X movie thing, is they're playing, like, archetypes, you know? Yes, They're not playing human beings. They're not talking like human beings. None of them speak like they are a human being. Of course not. insane. And then, like, the Patrick Dempsey, like, foppish, irresponsible... Like, what Ugh. do you think the direction was for his voice tone? Because like, you're a little like, bit try, like... Like, try to, like, talk the way you would immediately get punched in the Hello. face as hard as possible. <laughs> yes. Dude, the very first scene with that, when we when Everett and Monty are walking outside on the on campus, sure. um, and uh, and they walk past, like, a random woman on, uh, like, in the quad or whatever, yeah. and, uh, and, and Everett goes... Look at this one here. Look at her. Oh, God. Hi. I know her. I've been with her. I know her. I've been with her. Like, w- one of the most... Na- like, I threw up in my fucking mouth when I heard that. Like, one of the Amazing. most nauseating lines in, in like, cinema history. Like, Im- imagine, like, just walking, like, and, and a person that you're, like, like, walking with, like, says that. I know uh, her. I've been with I've, her. I've been with her. Like... But that's <laughs> so Everett. Uh, 
you know, of course so, it is. It is like that's why it's like so, actually perfect writing. It's like a perfectly painted portrait of like he's a, so a disgusting. And like his dad's rich and sends him money. Yeah, yeah. Daddy cuts him off. For yeah. some reason, he has a chicken. He's kind of like the oh his buffet of the group. Oh, the cock joke. Yeah, he th- he like he he's like the the type of guy who like watches like Dennis Miller on SNL as a kid oh. is like that is my idol is I want to be that man yes it, Robert I think that they were like it's Robert Downey Jr. yeah because this is too. Robert Downey Jr. from a lot of movies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the too what, smart for his own good wise that, Alec yeah, always got a comeback always got a, a little you know witty I retort be, I wouldn't be oh. shocked if RDJ pulled a little bit of Iron Man from Patrick Dempsey <laughs> <laughs> In with honors, <laughs> he went oh, deep. He went deep on to? his research. <laughs> You've been listening to.